Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Dan Hanford. Thanks for being on the show again, Dan. Thanks, Whitney. Appreciate it. Dan Hanford is a managing partner of PassiveInvesting.com, an apartment syndication company that has 130 million, 130 doors. Dan is also the founder of the Multifamily Investor Nation, a nationwide group of over 9,000 elite multifamily investors. Dan, thanks again, and give the listeners a little more about your background before we dive in. Sure. I'm not sure exactly what my first episode was with you, Whitney, but I know that if you search on Whitney's podcast, there's another first episode where I dive a little bit deeper into that. Did you research that first episode? I did. I'll, I'll find it here before you get done telling everybody about who you are. <laughs> All right. Number 14, WS14. WS14. So if you want to, like a lot more di- deep dive into a little more about my background, go listen to episode 14, WS14. My background is I'm a businessman and I'm an entrepreneur. I have multiple businesses. And my goal has usually been to build up a business, get it to a point where it's passive so I can go and grow the next business. And so I have multiple businesses that I've done that way. And the largest group of businesses that I have is a non-surgical orthopedic medical clinic, which I'm actually broadcasting today from one of those locations. And in these clinics is one of the main reasons why I decided to get into the multifamily game. And the syndication route is because of all the taxes that I was having to pay from the profits we were making. So I'm making, you know, writing six-figure checks to the government, tired of doing that, trying to figure out how Trump's paying no money in taxes. And so realizing that real estate is the ticket. And so you know, I didn't want to play on any small level, so I wanted to go big. And so that's why I decided to go to that route of the multifamily syndication side to reduce some of my taxable liability that I have as well. So that was the main reason. And Whitney and I met very early on in my journey and have been good friends since then. Yeah, Dan, it's been a pleasure to know you and it's been impressive to see what you've been able to accomplish very quickly. And, you know, in the syndication space, you know, one thing we're always doing is networking, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so important, you know, the meetups that we're going to and a lot of people are hosting meetups and Dan has developed a way where he's hosting and being a part of many, many meetups. And so we wanted to discuss today, Dan, was just your strategies for starting these meetups and maybe we'll, you know, encourage the listeners to start their own meetup or why that's important and give them some tips of how to maybe organize it and what they should expect from a meetup. Sure. Uh, Sound good to you? Yeah. So I actually have listed four different things here, Whitney. And so we'll kind of just go down this list. And first off, you know, like you said, you know, networking is a very vital piece to the whole syndication route. You know, whether it's a syndication and multifamily or other types of syndications, you've got to be networking. And one of the things that you can do to build a network is create networking opportunities that you can cultivate yourself. And that's by utilizing meetups. And of course, the most popular platform for meetups is the meetup.com platform. And that's the platform that we leverage as well. And we have our group, Multifamily Investor Nation, has just at 50 groups. Our goal is to double that this year. So we'll hopefully be at 100, but we're at 50 right now. And so what we do is, is we actually are looking for co-organizers in various cities to be able to help us host these meetups in their local cities. And we basically are able to you know, leverage other people to be able to help us grow this network. And then they're able to take some advantages of some of the opportunities that we give our co-organizers as well. 
and it doesn't cost them any money. So there's definitely some opportunities there. So if you're interested, anybody's interested in that, you can always shoot me over an email, dan at passiveinvesting.com. Love to be able to chat with you about being a co-organizer. But those of you who might be like, I want to host my own meetup. You know, I want to give you a couple of strategies and some things to think about whenever you're trying to host one of these meetups. And you know, when you're talking about the meetup.com platform, they do charge a fee. I think the lower amounts would be like, you know, five or ten dollars and it goes up to like fifteen, twenty dollars, some run in there when you're hosting your own meetup, which is nominal for the amount of value that you'll get by hosting one of these meetups. But there's a couple of things you want to make sure you do to make sure that you are successful with it. And obviously with us, we have I'm right, right at 50 groups, so over 49 groups. <laughs> we have right at 50 groups. So, you know, we have a few things that we, we, we've learned um, over the last several months that have been able to increase the attendance to our meetups. And the first one, Whitney, is going to be location, mm. you know, because everybody always needs to have a location that's convenient to them. They need to have a location that is easy to access, easy parking. And so when you start to look at a venue of where you're going to host this, you got to look at all those things. You know, it's hard to do one in an area where there's no parking or it costs too much to park. Or if you do it in an area that's not like the best part of town, a lot of times people won't come because they don't want to go to that part of town. So location, I think, is a very vital piece. A good meetup is, is finding a good location. And my suggestion would be find a location that you think would do well, try it for a couple of meetings. And then if you don't feel like you're getting the attendance, then guess what? Change the location to a different area. The nice thing about locations is, is that you can change it fairly frequently and very often. And, you know, I also think that when you're hosting a meetup, you should have at a minimum two, but sometimes up to three or four different co-organizers for each meetup. And the reason why you want to do that is because when you have multiple co-organizers, if some person is, if one person is out sick one day or whatever, you know, you don't have to like not host the meetup. You can go ahead and host that meetup. That allows you to be able to have that flexibility. Plus, you know, it gives you guys each backup of, and you don't feel like you have to be at that meetup every single month if for some reason you can't do that. And I was speaking to the location. I don't know when I first moved to the town we're in now, I started going, you know, looked for a, an REI club that was local, you know, so I could start meeting people here. And it was downtown. Parking was always difficult. Always had to pay for parking if you could find it, or you may be walking a good ways. But then in the location, it was in this like, uh, I guess, second or third floor of this building. And it was just really dark. And I don't know, it was just really didn't seem like the greatest welcoming location, you know, (laughs) and I can see where I kept going to it. But I can see why a lot of people wouldn't, you know, maybe they wouldn't even feel comfortable just being up in that space just wasn't very welcoming or inviting. Mm -hmm. And most people will probably come for the first time, you know, but there are a lot of people that will probably show up and just leave because of the venue. One story I like to tell is my background is in chiropractic, so I don't practice anymore. But, you know, when I had a friend of mine who was a chiropractor and, you know, one of the problems that he had is, is that people were just not showing up for their new patient appointment. And what he had found out though was, that when people were coming to see him at his office, it's not that they weren't coming, it's that they weren't going inside his office. And so he started to look at the dynamics as to why people weren't coming into his office. And what he found out was, is people were driving into his office and they would see no cars in the parking lot. And so people were just driving in going, oh my goodness, what did I get myself into? And they would leave. And all of his staff parked in the back because they had like a back employee parking lot. 
So nobody even thought that anybody was there because it was like this older, like rundown kind of strip mall, but it was kind of regentrifying area. And so it had been remodeled or whatever, but the outside had no parking. And so the new patients would show up and, you know, they would feel uncomfortable because there was nobody in the parking lot, so they would leave. And so one of the things that he did that solved this problem is he actually went to a junkyard and had cars towed into the parking lot and just sitting there. There were nicer towed cars. They weren't like junkyard, like old beat up cars. I was wondering. Uh, but so he filled the parking lot with some cars and it solved the problem. So location is a very key element when you're trying to run a successful meetup for sure. So all right, I can understand too why I'm, you know, having numerous people that are going to help you organize this group in case you can't be there for sure. Well, and it's easy to find those people because a lot of times when you go and you host your first meetup, you're going to meet some people and they're going to want to get involved with your meetup. So one of the ways you keep them sticky to your group is you ask somebody, hey, would you mind helping me? I'm hosting these things. I'll pay for all the expenses and stuff, but I just need somebody to help me, you know? So, because I might not be able to show up every month or I might get sick or, you know, you never know what happens. My wife might have a baby or who knows what happens, you know? I might have to go on a quick business trip out of town. I don't want to like not host the meetup. And so those are the reasons that you would give to somebody to help with the meetup. And you can make them a co-organizer. And even when you're there, you can give them a responsibility of doing certain things. Like if you have announcements, when you first get started, you can have them do the announcements and introduce you and all that kind of stuff. So definitely some roles and responsibilities that you can separate and, and segregate in these types of meetups. So what's next? What's something else we need to talk about when make this run as efficiently as we can? Sure. So the first thing is making sure you have the proper location and then getting those core organized. It was kind of two, but really that was really my one. The second thing here is, is making sure that you have two components to every meetup that you have. Number one, you have to have a networking component, right? You need to have the component of allowing people to be able to meet each other, talk to each other and introduce each other so that they actually start to get to know each other a little bit more. Because the more somebody feels part of the group, the more they'll feel attached to it, the more they'll want to show up right? So you want to make sure that you create those opportunities. And so what we typically do in our groups is for the first, usually about 15, 20 minutes. So if we're meeting at six for the first 15 to 20 minutes, it will be a time for networking. People go to a little table, they'll fill out a name badge, stick it on them, and they walk around and, and talk to other people and, and network, and kind of get to know people. And then we have what's called the second piece of this piece, which is the educational component to it. And this is the component that honestly, Whitney, I feel like I made a mistake on in the beginning because I originally, when I started these meetup groups for the multifamily investor nation, it was all networking. That's all it was, was networking. It was basically, hey, let's just go meet at a coffee shop or go meet at a restaurant or whatever. And all we're going to do is just talk and network. And although that sounds good and it makes it easy for all the co-organizers because they don't have to worry about anything other than just showing up it really left a piece of it out that was that stickiness component to it, that education piece. And I learned this from our meetup organizer. I mean, not organizer. We have now, because we have so many groups, we have a meetup rep. And that was one of the things that she mentioned is, is because I, I was telling her in the beginning, I'm like, I just don't feel like we're getting people coming back every month. So I'm feeling kind of stuck. And she said, tell me how you're doing things. And I told her and she said, well, one of the things that you can do to kind of keep and keep your, your meetups you know, a little more sticky is by creating some sort of education component to your networking instead of just being networking. That way people see different topics that are going to be covered and it attracts them to your particular meetup. And so to have more of a topical meetup is a very vital piece to it. And 
one of the things we've started to do with our groups is all of our co-organizers that we have in our group get together with me on a webinar once a month and I train them, only them, on a particular topic and they're going to be training their people inside of their meetups. And so we give them a one-sheeter of the content and we go through that content and teach them the content. So they're learning from us, from me, from a high level of what is this content, how do they need to learn, how to answer questions and stuff like that. And we're putting together these one-sheeters with some frequently asked questions so that when they go to their host, their meetup, they now have the content piece to it. So we have this like 12-month content calendar now that we are able to produce and allow people to be able to be attracted to our groups and continue that educational piece to it. So locations, number one. And number two is that networking and education piece that you have to make sure that you have with each one of your groups. Well, that makes me think of a question for you. You know, if I'm new to this space, but I'm really trying to get started, I want to do a meetup to network, you know, how much experience do I need to be able to start my own meetup? You know, that's one of the challenges because, you know, when you first get started, you might not feel like you're the expert, right? You know, might not feel like you should be the one hosting the meetup. And so there's a couple of options for you there. So obviously, if you're joining us with one of our groups, then you know, we will provide some of that content for you. So you'll be able to feel more confident and competent when you're hosting your own meetup. The other way to do it is, is instead of you being the one teaching, you can invite other guest experts into your meetup to be able to share that content and to provide that value whether it be like a local multifamily broker or a local you know, banker or something like that, you can have them or even contractors like, like to do that stuff and talk about, you know, what are the different advantages of carpet versus vinyl plank or luxury vinyl plank or you know, all the different pieces. You can bring other experts in that can share some of that content piece to it. So I think, you know, yes, as you are getting in new into this space and you want to start a meetup, it's always good to have a little bit more of a background in that so you can feel like you're teaching and providing the value that you wanted to provide. But you can also, in the meantime, I said, invite those guest experts on as well. That's a great question, though. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people do that. You know, they're not comfortable speaking in front of the group just yet. You know, they want to get there, but they don't feel like they're an expert or feel like they should be the one up there speaking. But by, I've been to groups where that's all they do is invite people, you know, to speak, you know, or they invite me to speak or invite numerous people to speak on a weekly basis. But that still allows the host to be the one that everybody knows you know, that person is still gaining a lot of benefit just by being able to network and knowing everybody in the group. Yeah, that's exactly right. So first thing was location. Second one was making sure you have the networking and education piece to it. And then the third thing I would say is, is that you need consistency. So I've seen a lot of meetup groups that start and they are kind of like all over the place where they don't have a consistent time. Or if you have a consistent time, the second Thursday of every month, or the first Thursday of every month, or I've seen some every Thursday for breakfast, you know, there's different frequencies, but there's a consistency to it. I think that that's a missing component to a lot of meetups. That's why a lot of meetups aren't very sticky because people never really know when they're going to be able to go because it's just not as consistent. So the more consistent you can make your meetup, the easier it is for your members to remember without even having to go to any type of meetup.com platform. They know every Tuesday you know, at 7 p.m. or every Saturday morning at, uh, or every, the first Saturday morning of every month at you know, 11 a.m. or whatever it is, and it allows them to be able to have that consistency. So I think consistency is a major piece to you know, making sure that you have a successful meetup. No, that was going to be a question also, it was frequency. And how about you? How have you found the most success weekly, bi-weekly, monthly? What's it been? So we recommend monthly. 
I think that if you have the ability and the time that it would be better if you did more frequent than that. I know a meetup that's going on right now, actually one of my partners, Danny Rendazzo, has one going on in Charleston, South Carolina, and his is pretty much every week. And it's basically a, a breakfast meetup that they meet every week. And so and it's, he's grown that fairly large and it's because it's consistent. You know, now not everybody shows up every week, but because it is every week, it's been able to grow and people just know every week that he's doing it and he's there. And so it actually helps to grow it a lot faster, I think, that way and creates a lot more camaraderie, if you will. You get to build a lot more confidence and rapport with those people inside of that group as well. And you know, even for some of our own multifamily syndications that we put together ourselves, Several of our investors have actually come from that group. I can see too, where if you have a breakfast or you have a lunch, something like that, that's going to eliminate a lot of people also from being able to come. Maybe that say that, you know, they have a day job, they're trying to get into real estate or they're doing both, you know, till they get the real estate business going, you know, they're not going to be able to come to that meetup, you know? So what about the time of day? What's been the best for you? Well, I think, you know, you have to kind of play with it a little bit, but one of the things that we suggest is if you can do it on a Saturday morning, those tend to be the times that pull the most. But I think you also, as the co-organizer, have to ask yourself, do you want to make it convenient for everybody else? Or do you want to make it convenient for you? Because the more convenient you can make it for yourself, the more consistent you're going to be. I think the bigger and the better your group is going to be and to be able to provide more value to them. So if you don't have a family and you don't mind taking out some of your Saturdays to be able to do a host a meetup, that's perfectly fine. But in my situation, I don't prefer to do them on Saturdays just because that's usually time that I like to try to reserve for my family when I'm not traveling. Makes sense. You got to be able to do it, right? And if it's too inconvenient, you're not going to be consistent, like you said. And if you're not consistent, it's not going to last. Yep. Yeah. So the last one here is, is number four. So the first one we said was location and then networking and education components to it. And then the third one was consistency. And this fourth one is about providing additional value by getting discounts to larger events. Or like if you've ever been to like a RIA club or anything like that, they usually have like local, you know, vendors that will give discounts to people who are members of the group. So if you can start to leverage those types of relationships, it allows you to provide more value to the group. And so one of the things that we try to do with the multifamily investor nation is we try to get up with other people who are putting on larger events that are usually in person, you know, like your larger multifamily events around the country and go to them and say, hey, we would like to start to promote this with our group. Can you provide our group a discount? And then be able to give that discount to our members to allow them to be able to, you know, provide, get more value from us. So same thing with you. If you have a local meetup group that you started and you now have, you know, 30, 40, 50 members, you can go now to these larger groups and say, hey, you know, I see you have this event coming up in July. I wanted to see if I, if we were able to get, you know, 20 tickets, could we get a discount, right? And that allows you to be able to have that leverage of scale, just like when you, in my space with the you know, larger apartment communities, we have that economies of scale. It works the same way here. I think it's another way that you can provide value and create additional stickiness to the group is to be able to provide those additional larger discounts for those larger groups. And typically the way we do it is, is we don't buy them all in bulk like that. We usually will have them give us some sort of like link or something like that that we can provide to our group that allows them to get those discounts. I like that. You're providing your adding value and they're going to be more attached to your group that way. And they're going to want to come back. They're going to want to see what value you're providing for them next. Maybe a couple of things that we wouldn't normally expect. You know, we haven't started a meetup before. I'm a little nervous about, you know, being in front of the room or, you know, what are some things that are going to happen that I wouldn't even know to expect that I need to know? 
Yeah. So one of the biggest things that will probably shock you is, is the number of people that actually show up versus the number of people that register. Okay. So there's a couple of different ways to handle that. I know some people will start to charge a small fee, like two or $3 to actually, you know, reserve a spot, which I think is a smart way to do it. But we've even done it that way. And people that just pay two or $3 still don't show up, you know, but however many people show up, I would usually plan for about a quarter to a third of those people actually showing up. So for example, we did a meetup just recently in Dallas, Texas. I was in Dallas for an event and I hosted a meetup the day before and we had over 50 people register for that. It was an in-person meetup and we had about 15 people show up. So it's kind of hard to plan sometimes. So when we do meetups now, we don't usually provide any type of food or anything like that because it's very hard to plan. You know, unless you start to charge a little bit more for your meetups, which I'm in the process of testing that right now, maybe instead of charging two or three dollars, maybe charge ten dollars, you know, and then you have that money go towards food or, you know, and then whatever the profits are over that, you can even give it to a local nonprofit or something like that, or just give it to the next, you know, host it for the next meetup. Then the second thing that we're planning on testing this year is a yearly membership to our group. It's kind of like a RIA club, right? Where you come to the first one, it's free. If you want to come into the future ones, you pay, you know, 50 bucks a year, 100 bucks a year, whatever it is. And it creates that larger group that feels like they're part of the family now. They're actually a member of the actual group. I've heard those results are still out though. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard both ways about that as well. Charging a couple dollars, just like you said. So people are maybe a little more committed and you can count on or have a little better idea of how many are coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So like you said, if 50 people register, you can count on about half actually showing up. Yep. Yeah. So uh, obviously we're about out of time, but anything else that you want to share with us that we need to know about starting a meetup, Dan? No, I think those are the main pieces there. Obviously, if you have any further questions, you can obviously email me. If you want to be one of our co-organizers in one of our cities, you can do that as well. Even if you go to our meetup platform, if you just go to multifamilyinvestornation.com, there's a link on that page that shows you, it links you to our meetup platform, which shows you all the different cities we have. But even if you're in one of those cities that we have a meetup right now, let me know if you're interested because we're always looking for additional co-organizers in those areas as well. Larger areas like, say, Dallas, Texas, you know, we could have multiple meetups going on at the same time, and we want multiple co-organizers in each one of those meetups. So shoot me an email, dan at passiveinvesting.com. I'm glad to be able to jump on a call with you and kind of let you know what their specifics are. And then we also have an event coming up pretty soon as well in a couple of weeks here, Whitney, called the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit, which kind of goes against everything what I just said about networking in person. But... This is a virtual online event. I know you're going to be speaking at it. We have over 60 speakers at this one. We did it in January of this past year and had 586 attendees. And we're looking to be doubling that for this one coming up in June. And I would love to have all of your listeners you know, join us for that. The tickets, I'm not really sure what the price of the tickets are right now because they kind of fluctuate every week a little bit. But if you go to multifamilyinvestornation.com slash summit, or you just go to mfinsummit.com. You can register and find out more information about that summit. And I'm going to do something special though, uh, Whitney, for your listeners here. So we decided that we wanted to support your nonprofit that LifeBridge Capital supports. And so we wanted to be able to donate all the profits from anybody using that promo code Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y. Use Whitney's first name and the promo code when you register for a ticket at MFIN Summit, it's June 27th, 28th, and 29th. 
all online, so it's virtual. You can't miss a thing. All the sessions will be recorded, and, uh, and if you use that promo code for Whitney, we're going to donate all the profits, not profits, all of the ticket sales, so not just profits. So if you go register there, I think right now there might be around $300. You register, that'll go all to the nonprofit for the children adoptions that the Lodgebridge Capital supports. Wow. Thank you very much, Dan. That's very generous. I really appreciate you helping support. Yeah. And Dan, thank you very much for elaborating on us being able to start a meetup and why we should and things we should think about. And what about your email? I know you'd put out the Multifamily Investor Nation, but any other way people should be able to get in contact with you? Yeah, that's the best way to shoot me over an email, dan at passiveinvesting.com. Obviously, if you're interested in doing some passive investing with us, you can go to passiveinvesting.com. I would love to have you join us, you know, even on our Multifamily Investor Nation Facebook group. We also have a YouTube channel. We're pretty much out there on just about all the social media platforms. You can also find me on LinkedIn, but definitely would love to be able to provide some more value to your listeners if they have questions for me further as well. Great. Well, I appreciate the listeners being with us today and every day. And I hope you will check out the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit. Use promo code Whitney. And thanks again for that, Dan, and supporting the families that are adopting and do those expenses and helping fund that. But I hope the listeners will also go to our Facebook page, Real Estate Syndication Show, and we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.